Hi, and welcome to Half Court and Midrange. Yeah, that sounds right. This is episode <laughs> number 27. My name is Court. I have Ray here with me today, as usual. Hello. happened since we last uh, podcasted our last one i believe was called finals recap and in the meantime these are some nba things that have happened the nba draft Woo-woo. and the draft did we do one we did the the last one we did was during the draft lottery well, oh yes uh but the draft lottery was before the finals recap so, okay yeah it was draft lottery Oh, I see. I see. Live uh, yeah, reaction. Because, right. Obviously, the lottery happens in the meantime. Anyway, the real draft happened and free agency kicked off and simmered through and, and has mostly, you know, petered out a little bit. Yes. Although some, some things are still happening. Some restricted free agents lingering. Yeah. Uh, but the big, all the big action happened there. So uh, we got a lot to talk about today, Ray. That is right. Let's uh, Let's start with, I think... There are a couple teams that had really interesting off seasons. Um, I think one of the most is the Thunder. Um, so they made a huge trade and a surprising trade. So uh, Paul George was on the Pacers and it was kind of known that he was going to get traded because he told the Pacers he wasn't going to re-sign uh, after his contract ends at the end of this year. And so they were looking for a team. And the Thunder were not necessarily considered the front runners and kind of happened quick and uh so yeah it surprised pretty much everybody um including and i guess the way these things normally happen there's normally a couple of days build up and just kind of popped out of nowhere and all the teams were surprised that it happened but uh they trade it for paul george who is you know probably one of the you know 15 best players in the league 15 or 20 and they didn't give up very much they gave up victor oladipo um and uh, Sabonis uh, and so now they have a very different looking team they also signed Patrick Patterson they re-signed Andre Roberson they of course still have Russ Westbrook um, and I think that they'll just be a really interesting team to watch now they have more firepower and if George and Russ really sync up that would be interesting but yeah what do you, what do you think about that team now that they got Paul George in the fold Um, I think I, when you said Roberson, that I just made it made me think about him a lot because didn't he turn down a extension where he could have made a lot more money? I think so. There's actually a couple of guys that happened to this this off season. Um, basically, last year teams got give out huge contracts, and so I think they looked at that and were like, oh, "I can make tons of money," and they got these extensions offer, offers that they declined, and then they ended up getting less. So yeah, I think that is right. Yeah, um, he is a how would you describe his off he's a good defensive player he's marginal offensive player that might be selling him too high he's, on offense yeah i've heard like legit analysts describe him as the worst shooter in the nba um, he, um, all around yeah he's not a very good free throw shooter uh yeah. there are several he he really struggled at times there it looked like yeah uh in the playoffs i remember there were a couple it's kind of 
uh, somebody was there is the Rockets bench was laughing at him, which is not a nice thing to do. You shouldn't laugh at people when they're shooting free throws, even if sure. they're on the other team sure. and, and are bad at it. Yes. But uh, he also was involved, like, I guess after he, he recently there was this is also off the court news. This has nothing to do whether with really how good I think the Thunder are going to be next year. But he left a really small tip on a large bill. Oh, yeah. But it turned out it was like, okay, so there was like a $400 bill at some club or something and yeah. he left a $13 tip. <laughs> yeah, and is... he and he kind of, he had some reasoning. He's like, why would you give a big tip? They just brought a bottle over to the table. Yeah, no, it seemed kind of legit was he had bought like shots before and uh-huh. had left like a 50% tip basically oh, okay. on this like $1,000 tab or something. Okay. So he like, left like a $500 tip on this $1,000 tab. And then he was like, oh, shoot, I got to get this bottle to go, though. And so he like got this like fancy bottle and it was like the bill was like $487. And he was like, oh, I'll just make it an even 500. He also screwed up the math and it was like 501 and 10 cents or mm-hmm. something when he added it up. But, you know, he apparently had just had a lot of shots at this club. So you can forgive him for the math yeah. problem. Yeah. But he was kind of it was kind of weird. I guess he kind of got screwed by trying to like make it round up. I think if he had just like said like no tip or something and like it was clear that like he had just been buying the bottle to go and had like already tipped, then maybe it, but like the $13 like somehow got it into like public consciousness and they're like, this guy sucks at tipping. I think he actually tweeted out himself and uh, Cantor responded, (laughs) his teammate, and it was kind of like, I think he tweeted, it was like, at Cantor and maybe somebody else is like, why are you out hanging out with us? And maybe for some reason the receipt was in the picture or something. Oh, that's and Cantor was like, I'm just kicking and not leaving $13 tips on $500 bills. And, uh, is it, is a good little response. I wonder if in that restaurant, I used to be a, I used to work in the service industry and wait tables. Uh, and it's standard practice that you give like a percentage of your, um sales into like some kind of pool maybe it's for like the hosts or bussers or like the service staff at large or something right um or just like for the right to be able to like serve tables you give like money back to the restaurant anyhow like if that percentage (laughs) if if that server had to give you know even three percent of their tab to some like not fund that isn't them then they would have lost money on that so oh, that's what i think about you right? have to do it on the tap like even yeah wow so if you get like a you know i don't know the math on this but less what what's one percent of 500 five dollars yeah so three so percent like, would be 15 bucks so they would have lost money yeah yeah that's 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 rough right there yeah um so yeah i actually i mean i guess it'll be annoying as a known i mean i guess Rob, robertson is not like Maybe in Oklahoma City, a lot of people know him, but like probably in general, he's not like people probably aren't stopping him on the street um, until but, they hear this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, Once we introduce him to all our legions of fans, now people will know his name. Yes. At yes. least twenty people will know his name. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Might um, be inflating those numbers a little bit. <laughs> or four people. No. Um, uh, Shout but out to all would, our fans in Oklahoma City. Yes. Um, it would be, it would actually be really fun if for some reason, like a, a group of people somewhere or like a group of people that liked some kind of random thing, like latched onto our podcast, you know, like we had this big following in like Des Moines, you know, oh, and yeah. it's like, yeah, did you hear this podcast? Um, 
obviously it would be fun if like really anybody listened to our podcast but in particular <laughs> <laughs> just like, some random place for a random reason to um but uh but yeah, i was just i guess it would be a bummer to go out or i don't know how you i would deal with it if every time i like went out to eat people knew i was like this like rich nba player and they were like oh yeah you should be tipping 50 percent all the time and it's like maybe or like maybe i should or maybe like i don't know i definitely when i like to tip i like to like feel good about it and like feel like i'm tipping because this person did good service and i i don't know yeah but like be to be forced to be overly generous because people just expect that of you yeah like i would just look i mean you know they probably want to go to a normal place and pay a normal 20 percent tip like yeah. the rest of us and like you know i guess i take that for granted sometimes when i go out that yeah. nobody knows who i am yeah besides when i get recognized as <laughs> you know are you the guy who does that podcast <laughs> uh. <laughs> so far no one's recognized me from this podcast alone but anyway the thunder uh <laughs> which uh. is to say we ran out of time to talk about paul george but uh is he still he's still good right they'll be they'll be they'll be better he's good i'm i'm actually fascinated to see how it works out i don't think that there's a lot of guys i kind of been critical of russ on this podcast and we're talking about the nba uh the mvp award and at other times and i think oh you know what else happened since we recorded a podcast they announced the awards oh yeah and russ did russell westbrook was the mvp and Joel Embiid was not the rookie of the year. Malcolm Brogdon was, was rookie of the year. Malcolm um, Brogdon, wahoo wah. Let's yeah. go who's. Yeah. Ray, how excited yeah. are you that Malcolm Brogdon was rookie of the year? Not very excited. Is Malcolm Brogdon better than Paul George? No. Is Malcolm Brogdon, does he have more rookies of the year? Or? Uh, we should have played a game, is Malcolm Brogdon older than these players? <laughs> <laughs> like, there's a lot of players that have been in the league for like five years that Malcolm Brogdon is older than. Okay, I'm going to uh, give you some names. You say whether he's older or younger than them. Okay. Joel Embiid. <laughs> he's older than Joel Embiid. Okay, Carmelo Anthony. Younger. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm trying to think here. Vince Carter. Ah, I was thinking, timing, right? Uh, timing. My punchline was Vince Carter. <laughs> My punchline was Vince Carter. <laughs> <laughs> it was too obvious. <laughs> um, How old is Paul George? Paul George. Older than Malcolm Brogdon. I think he's probably 27, 28, something like that. Now I'm imagining on every telecast where they have like age, like when they show the little like player stats, they just have like height, weight, and or just everything is in comparison to Malcolm Brogdon. <laughs> Taller than Malcolm Brogdon. <laughs> negative, Heavier than Malcolm Brogdon. Negative 2.3 years. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, LeBron James. Points per game more than Malcolm Brogdon. <laughs> <laughs> um but in terms of that, I'm I'm actually very interested to see the Thunder play. I was about to say I don't think a lot of guys fit with Russ the way he plays now because he just is so ball dominant, um, and it's hard to see him fitting well like with another superstar. In a sense, Durant was actually I think a really good fit with him because Durant can work off the ball and shoot, um, and then when you want to go like you want him to ISO, he can do that. Um, but Paul George, I think, is the kind of ideal of a of a superstar that would fit, or a very good player that would fit well with Russ, because he's good at defense. He's just long. He can shoot um, in the catch and shoot, um, and then he can create a little bit. I think it's just gonna be a matter of if Russ is is less, you know, if he can adjust his game a little bit to like dominate the ball so much and let George stay involved and 
Is there anything that Paul George does better than Kevin Durant, or is he just kind of like a similar player that's just like a little bit worse, but still very good? He might be better as a one-on-one defender. I think he's a little bit stronger. Okay. Um, a little bit like thicker. Um, but I think in most in terms of like shot creation, shooting, honestly, probably like shot blocking. Yeah, because um, I feel like Kevin Durant is like team defense-wise pretty good. Yeah, I think Kevin Durant's better at all of those things. But I think he might be a little bit better man defender and be able to hold his ground more. Like I'd rather Paul George guard and LeBron than Kevin Durant. Gotcha. Um, even if that's also not the ideal matchup. Um, so yeah, and they also got. I think Patrick Patterson will be a nice addition for them, and they didn't they didn't pay him a lot of money. Um, so it'll be interesting to see uh, what what they do. Um, in a similar part of the country, the Rockets made a big move. They acquired Chris Paul uh, in a in a trade that was interesting on a number of levels and surprising. Um, but now they will pair Chris Paul, uh, one of the best point guards ever, with James Harden, who basically had his first year as a real point guard. Um, and they'll still, they got rid of a lot of players in it. They got rid of Beverly. They got rid of Lou Williams. They got rid of um, Sam Decker. But they still have Gordon, Eric Gordon, and Clint Capella, and Ryan Anderson, although they might trade him. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how it works out. Uh, but they definitely got some potential. What do you think about... I guess a lot. Of, I guess the main thing that the main response that people have, the main negative response is both Chris Paul and James Harden like need the ball. Uh, what do you What do you think about that court? Lou Williams needed the ball, but he was useful to have. And Sweet Lou. Yeah, Chris Paul is a lot better than Lou Williams. True. Uh, yeah, I think that I think that's a I think it's a good move for the Rockets. I think you got to go big at this point if you're like already you know they already have Harden so they got to try to win now it's hard with the Warriors there but you got to try something like this seems like a higher variance well a higher average and just like possibly like it could turn out not that good compared to how good both of them are individually but like maybe it'll work together and like maybe they'll have a shot at least like you know putting a little scare in the Warriors for a second I don't think they have much I don't think a lot of teams have much shot of beating them in like the playoff series but you know, injuries happen too. Like, you know, if you could, you could might be able to beat like a, a Warriors minus one of their good players with this kind of lineup. Uh, it should be exciting too. Big fan of D'Antoni personally. I don't know how you feel about him, but he has a great mustache. He well, I don't know if he still has it right now. Or he used to have a great. He mustache. did have one for yeah. a while. You know, always you know seven seconds or less. Uh, he had some sort of connection to UVA and some weird. Actually, had a, his his uh, mustache had a little quirky schoonover to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think yeah. Noted father of Cortland schoonover. Probably yeah. Second, uh, second most favorite coach besides uh, Rick Carlisle. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, I yeah. think that uh, obviously also Chris Paul. You got to talk about how he used to be on the hornets when it was the hornets were new orleans hornets indeed um indeed um yeah i think i think there's been a lot of these reactions that people are saying this with the sixers too where it's like oh there's too many guys that need the ball and in some sense that makes in some sense that's right when the folks need the ball and they're also not good at shooting because then when they don't have the ball they're not like basically if you can shoot whether or not you have the ball they have to guard you and you create space for your teammates um 
So when you have two guys like Tyreek Evans and Rajon Rondo, they don't work on the floor together because if the one guy doesn't have the ball, you basically don't have to guard him. Um, but in this case, they both can shoot really well. And so when they're not, when they don't have the ball in their hands, they're still adding a lot of offensive value. Um, and this idea that like one play, like you have 48 minutes of basketball, you know, <laughs> and you need to like someone who's like creating offense 48 of those minutes, ideally. And so if you think about it and like Harden was super tired the way he played last year and Chris Paul is getting older. So if you're just like, look for about half of the game for 24 minutes, Chris, you're going to initiate the offense or maybe it's like 30 minutes and then Harden's like for 18 minutes, you're going to initiate the offense. Like that's more than enough response, offensive responsibility. So I don't know. I think people are kind of, it's a little overly simple to be like, they both need the ball. That's not going to work. It's like, well, if James Harden has run off a screen on the baseline, that's going to like totally contort the defense and that's going to help Chris Paul like facilitate. And he doesn't even need that much help because he's so good at it. But no one can score points without having the ball. Show me a player that True. can score points without the ball, right? Well, sometimes you get the point, like, um, you get the point, right? If you're, there's like a rebound oh, if you're and you're the, the guy tips who accidentally in. tips it in. Yeah, and you didn't if touch you, like, it. caused him to do it. Yeah, so you can score without the ball. Ooh, does that make, you, I don't know, Clint Capella better than <laughs> James Harden and Chris Paul because he's more likely oh. to do that? I wonder if anybody has, a, like, a, accumulated or, like, put together the all-time leaderboard of, like points scored by people who didn't touch like who has the most who points has the most points where they didn't touch the ball yeah it's probably like kareem or something who's played just like a ton. oh yeah yeah but but like per- what about percentage wise though yeah. of their points yeah like there's got to be somebody who's like pretty bad at like actually getting it in themselves but like pretty good at just like yeah s- like pushing people in the back maybe that's like minute bowl or something yeah you know i mean he yeah exactly he's good at pushing people in the back kelly olnick um Poor Kelly. That was the biggest. That's the biggest offseason news right there. No longer a member of the Boston Celtics. The yeah, picked him up that a winner. face and that Kelly Green. You know, um, he took his talents to South Beach. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the big. <laughs> oh man, they should do a mock uh, when they did that press conference with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh and LeBron James. If they did one like this year with like Dion Waiters and Kelly Olynyk. <laughs> Like, and uh, James Johnson, like, re-signing. Oh, yeah. Not one, not two, not, not three. three. <laughs> Son, oh, that would be great. Turned um, out to be two, right? Sorry? Turned out to be two, right, for the Heat? Which Turned was, out to be two, yeah. yeah. Um, so I guess LeBron was wrong. He even stayed long enough for to make those some of those outcomes possible. Can't win two championships in one year. Yeah. Unless you're playing two different sports. Yeah. Um, um speaking of the on the same line of the rockets they signed a former second round pick oh yeah and you, you said you were really excited about pronouncing this person's name uh so i think his name is ju kui i, I can't re- exactly you, you kind of put the ball back in my court there because <laughs> i'm not going to pronounce it right either i think it's something like i remember the reading an article and they just said say joe chi i know but joe chi. I, I yeah think, i think it's kind of like a jo sound like yeah. joe chi okay uh he has played in china previously uh which makes sense because that's where he's from 
and they had picked him a couple drafts ago, I think, or maybe last year's draft, I think. And so they were able to finally like bring him over and they give him a two-year contract, I believe. Uh, super tall dude, though, and he's had some summer league highlights so far. He blocked... Uh, yeah. Is he 7'5"? He's, yeah, he's really he's tall. He's very tall. He's also pretty thin, uh, unlike Houston, of course, had Yao Ming, uh, one of the most famous, uh, or probably the most famous Chinese national to play in the NBA. Uh, and probably also just one of the most famous basketball players ever based yeah. on his popularity Hall, in China. Yeah. Hall of Famer, uh, super popular, plagued by sort of foot injuries towards the end there, but just like uh, incredibly large human being. Uh, this guy, Zhou Qi, is not as thick as Yao Ming was. Like Yao Ming was just like proportionally large and Zhou yeah. Qi is like a little more like of a, a skinnier player. Um, so that makes a big difference as far as like what you can do on offense and defense. Yeah. But yeah. it seems like he has some like intriguing, like, you know, he's long enough where he can be like coming over and like affecting people's shots. And then he apparently has some sort of like mid range game and also like tries to shoot threes. Uh, he hit like, I don't know, two threes in his first summer league game and had like at least, but then has missed a ton since mm. then. That would be sick if he made threes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess with guys like him, it's about if he can just be girthy if he can be thick and strong enough to just not get pushed around yeah basically be a non-rebounder um so that remains to be seen but and it seems like the he'll be you know it he's not going to be a big contributor this year but maybe if with a little more experience under his belt and you know i don't know he's still young maybe getting a little stronger or something like that he could be an interesting player for them yeah we uh, spent some time on this podcast exploring the world of dota 2 um are there any intersections between Ju and uh dota 2 yeah so there's uh also a chinese national uh there, there are a lot of Ch- dota 2 is a very popular game in china um and so a lot of the professional teams uh are uh chinese based and have a lot of chinese players and so uh a couple years ago it might have been even more years there's sort of like the the finals like the nba finals but they have it every year for dota and it's called the international it happens every august in key arena in seattle um and this in this particular final it was an american team an american-based team versus one of these chinese teams and the player he doesn't play anymore as far as i know but his nickname and possibly real name was was joe uh and so there the announcers were getting super hyped because this is like you know game seven of the i it was it was an important game in this final series and uh this player was making sort of like a play where he was like setting up to like do like a big fight with the other team and uh he sort of like hesitated for a second because he knew that if he went in like and started the fight then it wouldn't have been as good for his team as if he like waited for a second and the announcers were very excited about this and one of them just had a line which was patience from joe uh and now they incorporated in the actual game itself now when you're playing the video game you can sort of like just play that audio clip whenever you want and so like people just play it incessantly uh during you know your your game that you're playing with your friends uh and so that became a meme of sorts and when uh, 
somebody posted a highlight video of Joe Chi blocking, I believe it was Josh Jackson's shot in a summer league game. Uh, the top comment on uh, the Reddit thread was patience from Joe. It's a little bit of crossover between mm. our NBA world and our Dota 2 world. Um, look out, Jeremy Lin, team owner of uh, VGJ. More, more Dota, more Dota crossover between NBA and uh, in in the NBA and Dota here. Yeah, that was pretty much all I had to say about that. But nice. Nice. excited excited to see more of that if he ever actually yeah. plays in some regular season games i think it's a big summer for uh, these these games and uh and the nba you know we got gordon hayward moving teams right and oh yeah he's and he's a, big into league of legends yeah which is a similar type of game to yeah. dota 2 um so yeah it's really yeah maybe maybe yeah maybe joel and has got to get into this to really take the Take can, these games to the next level. Can yeah. you imagine Joel Embiid typing on a keyboard? <laughs> oh my gosh, there was this. Pic- so he went to the the home the MLB All Star Weekend was recently, and uh, he went to the Home Run Derby and he tweeted out this picture. It's like I got a ball, and there's this picture of him holding a baseball in his hand, and it looked like it really looked. I mean, it looked like a golf ball or whatever. It looked like one of those little gumballs. It's like a baseball, you know. Yeah. Um. It was just. It was just so crazy to look at this picture of how big his hand was and how tiny the baseball was around it. Um, Man. And it Let's... makes you realize, like, baseball is an interesting sport. In, in basketball, it's basically the bigger you can be while still being athletic, the better you are, you know, more or less. Yeah. Um. And in baseball, it's like really not the case. Like, as you get bigger, like you know, these like shortstops are just not that big. Once you get past a certain point, like to just be kind of quick and coordinated and like compact enough to like gather the ball and throw it, um, is hard. And I think also just with having huge hands, you know, to be like a pitcher, it's hard to like, kind of have the same, like, you know, I don't know, finesse and feel on the ball. If you're just the humongous mitts. Um, but he could also throw the ball like straight down. Yeah. Like it would be like coming in and it would just be like, yeah the angle would be so different yes and so and it when the guys can do it it works uh like randy johnson is really tall but a lot of the super tall guys they don't they're not that good um mark hendrickson was one of the tallest and he actually played basketball also Hmm. um i think he was at least 610 um how do you say the dude's name who played for notre dame samarja no he played football but uh he also played baseball though yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, right, oh, right. Yeah, not yeah, basketball. I'm, this, right, right, yeah, I'm talking basketball, baseball crossover. Confusing. Uh, they both yes. played for Notre Dame. Oh, uh, Pat Connaughton. Yeah, you're talking about yeah. Because um, he played, he played basketball, and at least in college, he played like forward or something. He might not yeah. have been actually that all that tall, but yeah. And he was like, a, he was a super athlete, I think. Yeah, he was very athletic. Yeah. Uh, anyway, being tall sometimes it's an advantage. Speaking sometimes of sometimes not. Sometimes not. Speaking of athletic, John Wall was offered a huge, the designated player extension by the Washington Wizards. This is a new provision in the CBA that allows teams to keep uh, like really good players that they drafted and pay them more money than other teams can. And in this case, Wall could have locked that in uh, in advance. And for someone with who has a kind of significant inj- injury, well, not not that significant, but it, like and injury history. Uh, there's different reasons he might want some financial security. Um, 
And he also relies on his athleticism. So if that fades, then he will become a significantly worse player. More so than some other guys who don't rely as much on athleticism. Anyhow, they offered him this extension and he declined it. Uh, and that is pretty big news for Wizards fans. Uh, so yeah, do you think that that signals that he might uh, have his eyes elsewhere uh, once his contract expires? Yeah, he wants to play with Boogie Cousins mm-hmm. in New Orleans. Ah, That's what I heard. That's why, yeah. We'll talk about it later, but that's gonna, that's definitely what's going to happen. You heard it here first. If you, yeah, you all owe me money. I have futures, futures contract, pork belly futures, <laughs> Philadelphia trading places. Okay, <laughs> Nickelback. <laughs> Sorry, sometimes sometimes Ray doesn't do a good job of making sure I'm under control here. Uh, John Wall. Yeah, so does that mean he can leave? I just need uh, to know a little bit more about this. John Wall, right? Wall of China, Zhu Kui, Nickelback. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> I missed the I last bring it together. together. Yeah, you didn't right. bring it together. I just I feel like once you do four, you can just say Nickelback. I know that's cheating, <laughs> but you're pretty much guaranteed that people aren't listening to you anymore. So you can just go to Nickelback, and then their attention comes back in, and then they're like, "Man, he did a good job at that game." Sorry, our <laughs> listeners that are legitimate Nickelback competitors for how badly I just botched that. Or sorry to our listeners that care about the Wizards because uh, it seems like John Wall is leaving. So here's the information I need to know, Ray. Uh, when can he leave? When is his, uh, when is his current really, contract over? I should really know this. This might be wrong. I think he has two years remaining on his current contract. Okay. Um, it's possible that he just has one year remaining. I think it's one or two years. It's probably two, but like once somebody is done with that, once they're in that lame duck year, I feel like then you kind of have to trade them if they're say they're going to leave or yeah. something. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I think if it was one year there would be more chatter yeah. about that. Um wow, I just typed it John Wall and it suggested contract, which I think is I don't know if that has to do with my searches. No, it's listening to us. <laughs> you know the the phones yeah. listen to you all the time. Yeah. Okay, we are right. He is uh he's an unrestricted free agent after the 1819 season. Um, the eighteen nineteen season. Yeah. <laughs> Gonna have to go to Robbie Colby on that one, our resident historian. <laughs> oh, you mean like eighteen slash nineteen? Wait, what were you, you thinking? Just, I mean, after the eighteen nineteen season, I just like forgot that the year it crosses the year barrier, mm. and so I thought you were talking about like the year eighteen nineteen. Oh, I see. Like before basketball was invented. <laughs> I see. Um, we're gonna get to sports in like alternate years later. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so so two years. Um, yeah, do you think he's? Do you think he's? Uh, so you made your. He's coming to New Orleans. You, he's coming to New Orleans. Um, Walking to well, New that would be Orleans. Fun. That would be fun. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah, I would be concerned about that if I was a Wizards fan. And other things that they did this, they've basically built their team around him. The other big news with them this summer was that. Otto Porter was a restricted free agent. He's a small forward, pretty solid player, can shoot threes, not a phenomenal player by any stretch of the imagination, but a very good one. And a guy, type of player you want on a team, he's a, you know, can defend multiple positions, can shoot. Yeah, he's good. Um, Anyhow, he was a restricted free agent, which means other teams can sign him to a contract. Uh, And then the Wizards have the right to match that. The Nets uh, did sign him to an offer sheet, uh, a very expensive one. Um, I think, I don't know. I guess he's making 
in the around thirty million dollars a year, probably, um, or at least like maybe twenty seven, twenty eight. Damn. Um, I could be wrong. I can look this up while we talk but, about financial security. Yeah. Um, but anyhow, the Wizards match that, and they've kind of locked themselves into this roster that they have. So it's um, Wall and Bradley Beal is very good. Otto Porter Beal is also on a huge contract. Um, and so those those three guys make up a significant portion of their salary cap. Uh, and then you know they have they have a bunch of other guys, but anyhow, they're not going to have a lot of room to get like different players that aren't on the team. Um, they're not going to have financial flexibility, and if they built this team around John Wall and he walks, then they're going to be in pretty pretty tough situation. So, all that to say, they looked really good last year, and they outperformed expectations. I was certainly too. I was wrong about being a little bit negative about their prospects. Um, so I don't remember what I predicted before the season, but I think I predicted it exactly right. <laughs> Whenever I don't remember, I just assume that I was exactly right. Yeah. Um, and what did, did they lose out. to the Celtics? Is that what happened in the playoffs? They I don't even did remember. lose to the Celtics. Um, and now that the East, you know, a lot of the basically the East got a lot worse this summer. A lot of the best players, like Paul George, uh, like Jimmy Butler, are no longer in the East. Um, so the, I don't know. They could. It's really like they're probably the third best team behind cleveland and boston doesn't that just mean Um, they're gonna lose to boston again though i think that they could beat boston but we'll see i i I like boston better than them right now but uh if they especially if like beal you know if they stay healthy those guys could take another step um they have yeah boston's not uh boston can also fade like isaiah thomas is probably going to be worse this year than he was last year um and Horford's going to be worse. He's just getting older. And But Gordon Hayward. They have Gordon Hayward now. Yes. Uh, and, yeah. I th- No, I, I, like Bo- I like Boston better. But and Jalen Brown, is, is he's about to break out. Jalen Brown dunking on folks in Summer League. Get excited. That's what he did last year, too, I um, believe. Yeah. Well, I think we talked enough about a sports team in that dismal swamp, Washington, D.C. Yeah. Um, Tough times in that city. Yeah. Oh, DC. Uh, speaking of great cities. Speaking of, wait, do you want to talk about politics for a second? Did you hear that Homeland? <laughs> did you hear that Homeland Security? They're gonna face scan you every time you leave the country now. Really? Yeah. Um. How do you feel about that? That made me feel really bad when I heard about it. Do they explain why, or like, it's just increase like, security in general, or yeah, exactly one of those BS answers. But they're like, oh, because like now we're scanning like people, like when they're leaving, like on a visa to make sure they didn't overstay their visa. But we like can't tell when people are leaving, like whether they're like you know American citizens or people leaving. So somehow they were like, oh, we got to do everybody. We just got to face scan you whenever you leave the country. Huh. Um. I feel like Zuckerberg's like, dudes already got this. You know, I got all their faces when they leave the country. Exactly. In the country. So, you know. And aren't they buying all of his pictures anyway? Did Do you think we were ever really free? <laughs> um, <laughs> this just got deep even before we went into what we're going to do at the end of the podcast. Um, Ooh, I like that teaser. Keep yeah. them listening. <laughs> I will say my official stance on this is I'm against it. Uh and yeah, I think our government 
probably gets involved in our lives too much in a lot of ways, including now taking our pictures when we leave the country. But uh, I hope they have nice selfie booths that are similar to the ones at Melba's. Mm. Um, and there a can be selfie like, booth? Is that what they call these things now? It used to just I be just a photo booth, up. right? Well, I think the photo booth, yeah, but I guess maybe it's like a more like a selfie machine. It's kind of like open. There's not a curtain, you know, just a... Uh. So that's probably good that they don't have a curtain. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> Agreed with that. Because uh, people, you know, they'd be eating a lot of crawfish behind there that otherwise. Is, that is right. <laughs> that is right. And they already have kind of private poker rooms that <laughs> I have some concern about. Melba's is a fine establishment in New Orleans. If you come here, you should check it out. Uh, we are not sponsored by them yet, but we plan to be. Um, they have really, uh, they have uh, daiquiris with, um, all almost all are named uh, after their sexual innuendos. Um, like they the have, selfie booth. <laughs> they have really hilarious specials and promotions. They paint buildings uh, with their logo or their name on it, and uh, they have a. That's where I do my laundry. Um, they play Motown a lot. It's a great place. You should check it out. Yeah, check it out. It does stink that we lost the Pachamama's Pantry um, sponsorship, though, because oh. of conflict of interest. This is news to me. I thought... Yeah, it's conflict of interest, because like, for the time that Stefan is gone, I'm going to help him you know, invoice some things. Or... So so they can't sponsor us because you're going to have a more direct role in Pachamama's Pantry? Yeah, now I'm like a semi-employee of it. Okay. So. Well, we I get, might, I might, then maybe I'll just say that they're sponsoring my participation in the podcast. Okay. Pachamama's Pantry sponsors Ray's participation in the Half Court and Mid Range podcast. Could do you want to say a few things about Pachamama's Pantry? Because yeah. I'm not allowed to, even though, <laughs> even though I might know more about it now than you do. Um, yeah. I just think, um, you know, when I, when I'm getting, grabbing my syrup to make a little cocktail, um, you know, I want to think, where did this syrup come from? Does it come from some giant corporate uh, machine that doesn't value individuals and doesn't source their uh, products locally? No, I don't. I want to reach for the syrup and for it to come from locally foraged, you know, uh, flowers from people that I know and uh, it tastes yummy and uh, Pachamama's Pantry. All right. Thanks, Ray. That was a really nice promo. It sounded kind of like the Blue Apron ones for a second. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. That would be fun to do some fake Blue Apron promos with like terrible meals. Yeah. <laughs> Blue Apron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, yeah, we could try that. <laughs> or just like stuff that would be like really easy to make and get like macaroni and cheese like try our delicious macaroni and cheese blue apron <laughs> is it hard to shop for ingredients <laughs> just do a delivery service hot dogs <laughs> you send them like craft macaroni and cheese <laughs> just like a package of hot dogs <laughs> um all right yeah do you like eating hot dogs chopped up into macaroni and cheese blueapron.com try this and more recipes <laughs> oh good try this meal it's called a pint of ice cream my goal is com. my goal is to one day be popular enough that we do a fake promo for a company and they acknowledge it and ask us to stop that's my goal yeah i my goal is to not get sued even if we are popular <laughs> but if we have if 
my goal is to get popular enough where we get sued and we have to pay money to somebody, but we're still financially secure due to the other money that we mm. made from the podcast. Yeah, because when you get big enough, you're just getting sued and you're just paying people off, but you're still, that's part of the business model. Yeah, that's pretty much everybody's, every celebrity's life, you know? Yeah. Tipping $13, paying out lawsuits. Yeah. Living the life. Speaking yeah. of living the life, the Sixers have been living this life. Trust huh? the process. Yeah, big, it's been a big month or so for the Sixers we made a big trade in the draft we had the third pick but we traded up with the Celtics giving them a, a strangely protected future pick uh, to get the first pick so we could draft Markel Fultz he is a point guard to Washington he is a super smooth game he has all these great hesitation dribbles and what's he most famous for He's probably most famous for at this point losing not, a lot. I think he's most famous for not being Lonzo Ball. Ah, okay, okay, that is okay. We can get into that. Uh, <laughs> the Sixers that Lonzo Ball went second in the draft. He also plays point guard, uh, and he had a much. He won more games in college, uh, and he is a he's a really unique basketball player. Uh, who's really good at passing and shooting, although he has a really funny shot where he kind of shoots from his hip, uh, not unlike one Josh Dugas. And um, anyhow, I'm yeah, I'm pretty comfortable. I guess there is some debate uh, that Lonzo Ball is better than Marco Fultz. Most folks who scout basketball in terms of, you know, and project NBA potential have Marco Fultz ahead uh, so I feel pretty comfortable that we made the right pick, but Lonzo Ball has been playing well in summer league. Some people put a lot of value in that. They probably should not because they're playing summer league includes mostly players who will not ever play in the NBA. Um, and they have not played together for very long. They're not really good systems or concepts being employed. It is a very high variance kind of random event. It's so good that Lonzo Ball is playing well, but it's not like that predictive. So. Seems like Markel Fultz picked up the Sixers system pretty quickly. He did. He got. He turned his ankle. Uh, fortunately, they, the Sixers tr- medical staff, who's not they have had a lot of practice, has not had a sterling <laughs> record of either making people healthier, which I know they have a limited ability to do, or like reporting what seems to be accurate information on their status, uh, has said that it's a minor sprain and that he'll just miss a couple weeks. Um, but certainly not good to see. Um, nonetheless, he looked good. Probably good. You know, it's super, I, I agree that summer league probably isn't all that important. And so it's probably not that bad for him to miss that and then be healthy for preseason games and whatnot yeah. and practices. Yeah. And he will be aided significantly by our big free agent acquisition, JJ Redick. Ugh. Um, and to play all the gross sound effects for that one. <laughs> yeah uh where's my soundboard yeah who in addition to being um a good basketball player and handsome probably um, likes nickelback probably likes nickelback um he uh he also is a podcaster and i think a pretty good podcaster so for multiple reasons we could be jealous of him i'm not jealous i mean if he wants to come on our I'm podcast he JJ can come Redick. on our podcast I'm, I'm jealous of jj reddick i wish i could shoot like i wish i could play in the nba uh, yeah. I, I wish yeah. I could play in the NBA but not have to be JJ Redick, and he probably wishes the same thing too. 
Actually, he probably doesn't. He's probably pretty happy. But <laughs> do you want to be JJ Reddick? Email us and let us know. Oh yeah, we're taking. What was the thing that listeners were supposed to do last time? We were supposed to maybe read it out. Nobody respond. I mean, a lot of people responded because a lot of people listened to this. Yeah, we just don't have time to get to it. Yeah, so it's so many to read. It was really hard. But this time we will. We are listening to you, listeners. While you are listening to us, you're we're listening to you. We're wiretapping your phones. <laughs> Help us help you. Mark Zuckerberg. Jerry Maguire, Nickelback. <laughs> uh, so you're going to email us and you, the question you're responding to, would you rather be the guy, Chad Kroger or something? The, would you rather be the lead singer for Nickelback <laughs> or JJ Reddick? And why? Uh, you have 100 words to respond. Yeah. You have to be that person for the rest of your life. You are just them. You are either at this day, yeah. starting starting today, the day that you listen to this. Yeah, you will be either JJ Reddick or the lead singer for Nickelback, who I believe's first name is Chad, and I want to say his last name is Kroger, but I think that's just it's something like that. And yeah. I'm thinking about the grocery store. Just to be clear, for me, this is an easy decision. JJ Reddick, not even thinking. I'd so probably much. want to be JJ Reddick too. Yeah, but that's <laughs> why we have the listeners to to give and give a hundred words in response as well yes and we'll read it out loud on our next podcast if we remember to yes um so yeah so great free agent signing yes i'm really excited to watch the sixers team they it's unclear how good they're going to be because rookies which we have two ones that will play a lot uh ben simmons and markel fultz tend to not be good even the best ones tend to not be very good at at the start I mean, even if they become great NBA players, they're usually just like average at best their first year. Right. Not everybody can be Malcolm Brogdon. <laughs> Not everybody can be 29 years old when they start their rookie season. <laughs> um, but uh, JJ Redick, older or younger than Malcolm Brogdon. <laughs> um, but yeah, we we have the our, our team construction is like it just makes a lot of sense right now. Um, and so if Simmons and Fultz can be pretty good this year, and Embiid plays a lot. Embiid was one of the most, you know, effective players on a permanent basis when he played last year. Um, and then we have JJ Redick, who's just one of the best shooters in the history of basketball, kind of creating space for other guys. Um, we have a really nice, we have a nice team. Uh, so I, I am, I am going to go on the record and say they will make the playoffs. Um, and if Embiid. I mean, the only case we don't is if Embiid doesn't play a lot, which is a possibility because he hasn't played a lot in his NBA career. <laughs> so I acknowledge that. But if he plays 60 games even, I think there's a 100% chance we make the playoffs, um, especially because the East is weaker now. But So if Joel Embiid plays 60 games, you think they, the Sixers have a 100% chance of making the playoffs? Okay. In reality, it would be you know like 96%, but I, okay. I can say with a lot of confidence. Because I was about to offer you some crazy bets. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's an important... That's, a, that's an important... I'm glad you pushed back on that court. Uh, I think that, yeah, people speak with 100%, 0% too much. All right. I'm going to name some names here. Okay. You're going to tell me what they have in common. <laughs> okay. Allen Iverson, um, Vince Dr- Carter, rookie of the year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was it. <laughs> See, I beat you to it. You couldn't get all the way to Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah, I mean, that was true. So I win. You, 
the real you you would have won if you had said it before I said any names. I was trying to help you out there, but <laughs> um, uh, Michael Jordan. Well, I'll say I'm excited about the Sixers. We also signed Amir Johnson. That's not that exciting. Um, he honestly, the one thing I'm disappointed is the the Pistons. Ultimately, there's a there's a player that was on the Pistons named Contavious Caldwell Pope, who's young. He can shoot a little bit. He can can you run defense. that name by me again? Contavious Caldwell Pope. Wow, that is a doozy. It is an awesome name. It is an excellent name. Um, but he was a restricted free agent for the Pistons, which, again, we described that earlier, but you can other teams can sign him, but the other team has the right to match, and a lot of teams just don't even try for various reasons. They ultimately renounced his right, so he became unrestricted free agent. Free agent. That was after the Sixers signed J.J. Redick and Amir Johnson. Um, and if they had not done those things, I think they might have signed Contavious Caldwell Pope, and he's younger and would like potentially be someone that could like be a part of the team's longer term future, where JJ is just a stopgap, um, and would, will really help the young players develop with what he does. But I would be more excited if we had Contavious Caldwell Pope on like a reasonable long term deal. So has it been proven that uh, having like some guy around for like one year? on a one-year contract and just using up their playing time actually helps people develop? I think there's, I think there's, I don't know how much it's been actually kind of researched and how much people have tried to objectively say one way or the other. I think right now, like right now, because the Sixers have the players on, like people were saying this a couple years ago that they should have veterans, you know, to mentor the guys and all this stuff and to play like better system basketball. Um, the fact is we just didn't have that many players on our roster who were likely to be on our team for a long time. Like we basically didn't have any of them. Um, so that was kind of bogus and just getting young players more time was best. But now we have the players that are ostensibly going to be a part of our team for a long time. They're going to be the foundation of it. And so like, it's going to help Markel Fultz and Ben Simmons like run the pick and roll in the NBA and like run real plays when they have a guy who actually creates space, who like makes the floor, um, you know, so, so the teams can't just like collapse on them. Um, and even just with guys like, you know, we have some guys who are still learning basically to play shooting guard or small forward, uh, which basically is JJ, JJ's shooting guard. Um, but like the fact that Timothy Luau Cabarrot and Nick Stauskas, you know, can watch like him, like learn how to run, run off the ball and just like position his feet like that. I actually think that's really kind of valuable. Um, so I think in this case it's legit. I think generally speaking, that claim is one that I disagree with like, Oh, you need this veteran guy, but he is both like known as a solid NBA veteran and system wise he fits. Like if we signed like some kind of um, ball dominant guy, um, you know, I don't know if we signed, I'll think of a good example, but if we sign like this isn't a good example on a couple levels, but if Tyreke we sign Tyreek Evans, Evans that's a, um, that would have not like if he it, let's say he brings like leadership or whatever to the team and some experience, like he doesn't fit, so he's not you know he's from the area, awkward. right? He is, yeah, he so is, he, yeah. He uh, can so teach he fits people in that way. How to like, be from Philadelphia? Yeah, Dion Waiters similarly. Exactly. <laughs> brought Dion what Waiter. is JJ Redick and JJ Redick's from Virginia. It's gonna yeah Roanoke. Roanoke, yeah. yeah. Nobody good comes out of Roanoke. <laughs> no joke. 
<laughs> sorry, yeah. everybody who's from Roanoke that's nope, not Andrew Morissette. Yeah, I'm not even sorry to like Nick, you know, Cuffman or whatever. If he's listening. <laughs> and he probably shouldn't be at this rate. Um, all right, let's do, let's quick go to the Pelicans. They brought back Drew Holiday. Um, and they recently, as of today, breaking news, they signed Rajon Rondo. You heard it here first. Unless you, you looked at ESPN in the yeah. past day. You probably yes. actually did hear it here first because you <laughs> probably don't really care. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, what do you think? What do you think about that move, Court? I am super excited about Ray John Rondo because you know what I have in my house that I've had in my house for the past year? And it's a board game and it's big. Giant Connect 4. Giant Connect 4. You know who plays Connect 4? That plays in the NBA, Rajon Rondo. Rajon Rondo, but you, you know one of the hard things. Do you think about, he can handle the scale? I think he can handle the scale. It's we made it a little bit big. It's kind of hard to reach for some people. It won't be hard to reach for Rajon Rondo. Yeah, I have to figure out where he's going to be and then bring this giant Connect Four, and I'm going to challenge. If you're listening to this, Rajon Rondo, I challenge you to a game of Giant Connect Four. And I feel like he is kind of. I don't know that much about him, but I feel like he's kind of this man of the world. Has a lot of like various like interests and i don't know i wouldn't be surprised if he's like around new orleans out and about at like various events or something yeah so where we could just like just take the connect four out and find him you know and be like hey let's play yeah this is this is now the mission of this podcast every time i'm gonna give you an update on whether i've played rajon rondo in connect four and whether i've beaten him because it's not only my goal to play him in connect four i have to also defeat him in connect four yeah and then once that happens i can finally rid myself of the giant connect four maybe we should do something where we go to like the basketball court every saturday morning at like nine o'clock with the connect four (laughs) we're just like waiting for rajan i mean we have like a you know a social media account where we just hey rajan we're ready you know just tweet at him maybe like yeah this is one of those ones where if you like had a friend who had a kid or something, you could totally like, you know, be, you know, exploitative a little bit and be like, my kid really wants to play you in Connect Four. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. We need some kids. If you're willing to um yeah. sacrifice your four firstborn <laughs> child so as that we can play Connect Four with Ray John Rondo. Yeah, they have to go up and they're gonna lose to Ray John Rondo in Connect Four, and then I'm gonna come in and beat him in yeah. Connect Four. As far as basketball wise, though, what do you think about this Rajon Rondo signing? <laughs> I think we covered the important points already, um, but I I don't like it. Um, I'm guessing they got him to a very. I'm guessing they're not paying him a lot of money, so there's not like a ton of risk in it. Um, yeah, they only had that one like exception. Yeah, so they didn't have a lot of options that I'm like, oh, you know, they should have done that, but um, you know. I think ideally you just put some guys that can shoot and play defense on the floor, uh, and that he doesn't really do either of those things. He, I guess he, I guess when he wants to, he can play a little defense, but on the whole, he's like not been a good defensive player. I think he can work with Drew Holiday because Drew Holiday can shoot. Drew Holiday can play off the ball, um, and then Rondo can run second units, and he did actually play like really well in the playoffs last year. So I think there's a chance it could work out, but I don't. It's not to me. It doesn't fit. Um, and you also have now, like, ideally, Anthony Davis gets to create offense sometimes, and Boogie Cousins gets to like work out of the post sometimes, and Drew Holiday brings the ball up sometimes. 
now you really have we talked about this earlier with the Rockets. Now you have like four guys that should will want to create offense sometimes. Um, and when if Rondo's on the floor, like he needs to have the ball in his hand. He's a zero. If he doesn't have the ball in his hand, he can't shoot at all. Um, so I don't know. I don't like the fit, but it's also not like they passed up some other good opportunity to bring in bring him in. Yeah, I mean, uh, I can't even think of who else you would sign for that exception. Like, yeah, it would have just been like somebody sort of. Yeah, yeah, it would be like Tyler Ennis. Yeah, um, who honestly I probably would have liked better, but um, somebody in that in that range of just like younger guy that's not been good, but like maybe gets better on his next team, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It just seems, this seems more exciting. It's only a year deal, right? I think it was a year deal. I think so. When I looked at the article, it didn't seem like the contract details were fully reported. So, and Boogie cousins likes them. They both played at Kentucky, not at the same time, but they played together in Sacramento as well. And Boogie cousins and him were friends apparently. So it seems like, if you're keeping Boogie Cousins happy, that is probably a good thing too. Yeah, for sure. And he does pass the ball. Like he should, like other players, I think like to play with him in the sense that he passes the ball. Uh, yeah. Where a lot of these guys don't. Um, Tyreek. So yeah. It certainly adds intrigue to the Pelicans team, like another kind of personality. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. I think they really, the West is really good now. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think they were climbing out of that, like, you know, best at best being like the sixth seed anyway. Like, it, it's not like this room that this exception room that they had to sign somebody, nobody that they could have signed for this would have like made a huge difference in like win totals. Yeah. Yeah. They would have had to, like, it, we're yeah. talking about like a two win difference, maybe sure. at best. Like, sure. that, that would be hugely different. Yeah. So, like, might as well be entertaining. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's spot on. So. But it's gonna be a, it's gonna be crazy in the West with Minnesota getting better with Jimmy Butler, um, Denver getting better with Millsap, um, Utah getting yeah. worse. Utah getting worse, but I still think being like Gobert's just really good, you know, and um, I think you have a certain floor if you have a defensive player that good, and um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Okay, they lost Hill better. too, right? Though they lost Hill, but they got Rubio, oh. um, who's not. You know who's a solid player, but I think George Hill when healthy is better. But George Hill is also usually not healthy. So. Yeah, he also lost a lot of money. He, I think, I think he basically in the season he could have signed an extension with the Jazz that would have given it paid him like eighty million dollars, and I think he ended up signing a, a contract where he might be only guaranteed like forty to fifty million dollars. Um, Dang. So that's yeah, that's man. Players move around a lot. I was just yeah. thinking about him and Paul George being on the Pacers. And then when we were talking about the Rockets earlier, when we were talking about Chris Paul and Eric Gordon, mm-hmm. like Chris Paul got traded for Eric Gordon. Like both of those guys were on the, you know, uh, Pelicans mm-hmm. slash Hornets. Yeah. And now they're both on the Rockets. Yes. But we got Omer Ashik. Yeah. I was actually <laughs> thinking about this and I spent a lot of time like reading about or watching or listening to podcasts about the NBA. And so the teams become like, I'm pretty familiar with all of the rosters, you know, and, and it has like a, you know, like you might be familiar with lots of things. Like, I don't know the restaurants that you like to go to and like their menu or something. Um, And uh, that's a bad analogy. No, that's like pretty good. Like who like is the head bartender somewhere? Yeah. What kind of Gardenia simple syrup do they use? Yeah. And it's natural to like kind of 
think about those things, I think in more of like a persisting way, like they're, they're a part of that. They're, they're associated together. And then you have every year, it's like all these guys get traded and go to different teams and you like put them back together again. And you're like, well, what is this team anymore? Like all the players that I was like associating with them are gone. And, um, anyhow, so I just, I keep default to thinking like, oh yeah, these are the nuggets. And I'm thinking about like, I don't know, um, Gallinari, you know, oh, and yeah. like, but now he's on the Clippers. I and still think about him on the Knicks, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it makes it, yeah, it makes it, it's a strange, and then there's always that thing where like, this was happened particularly with the Sixers. Um, gosh, who was the guy? They got rid of like Hollis Thompson recently and then they traded Nerlens and it's like nobody that's on the Sixers was on the Sixers, let's say two years ago or something. And it's just like crazy to think about, you know, um, it was three years, like everybody changed. And Even so this the thing that in theory, like, you know, in practice that I cared about a bunch, like I care about all of these players on the roster and I'm thinking about what their projection is or how they're going to fit in this team long term. And they're just like all different, you know, it, it's like, I don't know how much, um, maybe that, maybe there's like in general in life that happens more than we think, but I feel like there's more kind of consistency in like. You know, I associate, uh, well, uh, this house. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what about this house, right? We, you know, Josh and Nicole used to live yeah. in this house, and, and yeah. Stefan and Carrie used to live next door. Yeah, and I guess, so our, uh, we're in Court's house, which is owned by our friends Stefan and Carrie, and now they're going to California for a year. Uh, and our friends Josh and Nicole used to live in the apartment that Court's living in that we're recording in right now. And they changed, and... Yeah. Oh, this is gonna get sad. Yeah. This got sad real no, quick. No, did, did, remember when we had the we? So we had not only we're kind of into board games. We also had this Guess Who, where we replaced all the faces of Guess Who with um, people that we knew. Were you there when we had this game out, Ray? Yeah, it was. And a lot of those friends that uh, when Ray and I first down, moved down to New Orleans, a lot of the friends that are on the board have moved elsewhere. Um, I mean, I think it was really only me and you left. Yeah, it's just <laughs> it's just you and me and Greg. Oh, and Greg, yeah. But Greg even wasn't when we first moved down. Greg was elsewhere, but yeah, came. Um, so I don't know what that says. You know, that's that's yeah. how life is. I think people move around, and yeah, and they're doing exciting things. I'm excited yeah. about where our friends are. Exactly, even if they're not here. Right, and same with like uh, I'm excited sometimes for players that used to play for teams I liked. Uh, yeah, and it and I think it's a good thing to sort of like. When I was younger, I was like, this is, these are, this is my team. And like, if Ray likes the Eagles, he must be like a horrible human being. True. And well, yeah, I mean, that's still true. But (laughs) 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 then I realized we had more in common than I might have thought. We both Mm -hmm. were passionate about sports. There's really not that much that divides you. There's more that keep that's, that unites you than divides you. I think even when there's all these shufflings around and, and yeah. Yeah, and yeah, and then yeah, we can uh, maintain these relationships, you know, despite many miles between folks. That's fun. We just had our Josh and Nicole back in town last weekend. Yeah, exactly. We did things like we would use, you know, we used to do when they were here, just like we used to. Things, yeah. Uh, I was also thinking about Dota too when you're talking about teams (laughs) changing, because there it's like this. So in that, like, they'll just fire the whole team it's like there's five players on a team and you maybe you'll have like a backup sometimes but you don't really have like it's not like 
you don't get tired when you're playing video games so it's not like you substitute somebody in in the middle of a game Mm -hmm. so although it would be interesting i wonder like they play these like tournaments and they'll play for like 12 hours at a time which is just like i get tired of playing a video game after like you know at most an hour and a half or something and these guys will play for like 12 hours straight uh which just seemed i guess when i was younger i might have been able to sit for longer but still that's a really really long time to play video games for and like would it be if you had the money as a team could you hire someone else to be like the substitute Mm. and like they could play or would it ruin your team chemistry maybe but like it seems like you could like have somebody fresh in there and do people play better when they're fresh or do they always Mm. I think there's no like physical element really. Like even your your hands yeah. probably get a little tired, but not enough think, to like make a difference. I think there has to be mental fatigue. I think like I, I mean, I don't know. It's a very different thing, but I mean, I certainly have. If I'm just like in the zone, like working all day, I have mental fatigue. My focus wanes, and yeah, I don't know. And I think it has to. I mean, I guess they're all sponsored by like Monster Energy and stuff, so they probably claim that like just chugging yeah. all these terrible energy drinks helps them. Yeah um who knows maybe in the future they'll have backups and substitutes anyway the teams like right now it's just the five players that play in the game and they'll play together the whole time but like if they have a bad performance at a tournament like the organization that pays their like salaries and stuff can just like fire the whole team and then they'll sign like a whole new team to be like that team so it'd be like sometimes in some of these bigger trades in the nba a similar thing happens but it'd be like if you liked the Sixers and contracts aren't like guaranteed in this. So like maybe you were like a Sixers fan and you're like, Oh man, I really like who plays for the Sixers, Joel Embiid. (laughs) Like, you know, I like how he's, you know, friends with TJ McConnell. They're probably not actually friends, but like, you know, he's friends with whoever he's friends with on the team. And like, they're all like the Sixers and that's like the team I like. Mm -hmm. And then it would be like, if the Sixers are like, Oh, we're going to go in a different direction because we haven't like performed as well recently as we like. And we're just going to like sign, like, I don't know who they would sign, but just like the Rockets. And now like the Sixers are like the Rockets, like the team that used to be the Rockets. And then like some other organization would be like maybe the Sixers guys are like, oh, we still like playing together. We're just going to like go out on our own and like fund our own organization. And so yeah. like a new team that would come up and they would be like, we're the former Sixers. Yeah. And then like, as you as a fan, you'd be like, who do I like? Do I like the team that's called the Sixers that used to be this other team? Or do I like these guys that used to be the Sixers that are like this new other team? Yes. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think it's raises interesting questions. I feel like my, sports loyalty is really related to these these teams like being from philadelphia and so i yeah so i kind of stick with that but at the same time the organization itself like if joel Embiid were to go to another team or actually if like if sam sam hinky the former general manager if he becomes general manager of another team like i'm more interested i'm more like agree and believe in the way he goes about things than like the Sixers organization at large. So it's weird to be like, I'm staying with the Sixers organization and they've done these things that I think are like dumb and you know, um, so, but all I to say, I think I definitely feel like loyalty to the city and the teams associated with the city, even if not the organization itself. Do you think that, uh, you independent, if Sam Hinkie was not part of the Sixers and just had this sort of like idea, do you think you independently would have felt as strongly about his philosophy, uh, and aligning with it? Or do you think it is in part because you already had sort of like an 
alignment with that his philosophy and he was also on the Sixers that made you become even more uh in tune with that yeah I think I I would have similar I would have similarly agreed with his approach like I agree um with like what Friedman did with the Tampa Rays and what Theo Epstein did with the Cubs um and the folks in Houston what they did with the Astros um i agree with what they're doing in with the cleveland browns right now um so basically yeah i would have and or like what daryl morey did with the rockets um which is very different but kind of similar to what hinky did um in in the kind of yeah the foundations all that to say i think i would have like agreed with his approach um but i wouldn't have like embraced it kind of personally and got behind it and like been as invested in it um so yeah, it's a uh, definitely there. Yeah, more of like a personal attachment because I, I cared about his approach working, whereas other times it's like, oh yeah, that's a smart way to do it, you know. But I don't have any skin in the game, so. Gotcha. I guess Billy Bean's like the yeah, Billy Bean's like the the grandfather, grandfather of this uh, this like you know, thinking you know in a uh, not necessarily more of like a business kind of management asset optimization way or something. Rave loves to optimize his assets. That sounds so awful. I can't believe I just said that. Uh, Ray loves business asset yeah. optimization. Everybody. I like optimization. I wish I didn't say the other words. I like thinking about here are the parameters. I've got this many resources. These are the rules. How do we do? How do we make the best team given these rules? Um, and thinking like outside of the box and not traditionally, I like that. Um, I don't, I'm not interested in like the finances for the sake of like revenue generation, you know, or I'm not interested in like finances for their own sake. I'm interested like they are a part when you have like a salary cap league and you have a budget, uh, that is a part of it. Or, you know, you have to, you have to engage in contracts. Like how then do you sign the best contracts? You have a separate I'd say interest still a little bit in sort of these negotiations as far as like labor market goes. Like you, you, you care Pat, a little bit about like the players getting their fair cut, right? Oh, I do. Yeah. And I think that's like a totally different, I think there's, I think it's to me, they're sort of like super independent, like as a team, how do I make the best decisions to, you know, for the long-term health of my team in many ways they're, contrary to the interest of the players right like you're trying to get players on below market deals basically right um i am similarly interested in like creating a system where the players have the most agency and autonomy and get compensated like fairly for the value that they provide to the product um so yes i am i am interested in that uh and yeah a lot of times these collective bargaining agreements do not uh, serve the players well uh, in most especially like in the nfl um, but in a lot of these cases and that, that, that is, you know, important to me. I hope that they, you know, get compensated fairly for what they do. So. Mm. You could go pretty philosophical there with what is fair, but for sure, for <laughs> sure. Um, I do agree that the NFL is the the worst offender there. Yeah. Speaking of the NFL football, what will football look like in the future? In the year 17,776. Yeah. Okay. So. Quick disclaimer, uh, if you have not read this piece, which is called 17,776 or some sort of variation on like what will football look like in the future, 
you should go check it out. It's by John Boys. Bois. Boys. I think it's John Boys. But. John Boys. Uh, he's the editor. He's an editor at SB Nation. Um, so just if you search for one thousand, I mean seventeen thousand seven hundred seventy-six, and John Boys, you'll find it. J O N B O I S. And uh, just check that out first. This you should stop the podcast now, uh, but don't don't x out or anything like that. Definitely keep listening to us, but stop the podcast. Go read this this long form piece, and then uh, check back in because we'll we're gonna have a few spoiler sort of things here. Yeah. Um, now that we've gotten that that out of the way, we and also can... spoiler, alert, it uh, it takes a couple hours. Yeah, it's a through. it's a long piece, but but very but, you'll see that we appreciate it probably when we talk about it, but I think very much i don't think you'll regret going through it if you do and it was really serially so like so for ray you read a lot of it kind of uh, consecutively here which probably gave a little bit of a different um i think i read like three in a row one time but other than that i've kind of read them as they came out each day mm-hmm. which does give a sort of different um that's probably a better way to consume it i think yeah a different sort of um take on it so do you what yeah um, we're going to assume at this point that you've actually like read the piece, so we're not going to do a whole lot of the explanation because that would kind of bore you. Yeah, I think so, so, some people might listen to this without reading it. Just say it's... Uh, what do you have to say to those people? Just like, it's probably worth it to give just like a tiny bit of context. Okay. Um, do you have any four-letter words for those people that you want to say to them <laughs> for disobeying our instructions? The first four-letter word I thought of was soup. Uh, oh, nice! Not the name of my uh, my former roommate, but just the the, the brothy the food. food, the brothy food. So I, I would like to say to you, <laughs> soup. Um, and uh, but yeah, it's so it's this. It's like it definitely is a just. It's presented in a really interesting way. There's like just regular kind of writing, basically all dialogue, and but then also like videos and like weird images uh and yeah it's just an interesting thing to interact with um but ultimately it's this kind of future state um and the main characters are these satellites um (laughs) that have like become effectively like they have developed like mental capacity of humans um by just like absorbing human data uh and they're just kind of like talking about uh one of them recently has woken up from like a coma and like become sentient uh and is talking to these other satellites about existing and what happens in the world um and a lot of it is revolves around like football as uh an amusement in this like weird future state where there's lots of other things like that don't yeah yeah, I don't know if that's a good summary or not. Yeah, it's hard to give context for it because, like, the whole thing, the way it's presented, it kind of is, like, a lot about context and, like, world building. So, like, each, especially towards the beginning of it, each little, like, piece that you're reading, you're kind of getting, like, a, a little bit more of, like, information about this world. And you come to, like, learn that the year is 1776 and that humans are effectively immortal because uh, it's still kind of unclear, but like there's like nanobots that protect them uh, from injury and also pro- have like healed diseases and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. There's an event called they, they refer to as the moment. Yeah, and it seemed like there was probably some 
some advancement in health that people that doesn't seem to be explained or necessarily understood and that happened and so people start living and then i think the nanotechnology thing happened sometime after that mm. where then people like also like didn't get like hurt or like could you know um and apparently couldn't reproduce anymore but yes yes but yeah so like everybody everybody is kind of like st- set in their state then and like free from any sort of like material worry of like and and they're effectively immortal in this world um but the game of football still exists it does um yeah and actually to start did you i was no uh no hit try me uh this is actually the question i was gonna ask i think it's just one of the least interesting among the okay ask me yeah um don't ask me any uninteresting (laughs) questions yeah what is what is your main reaction to this to this piece so for me uh, one of the themes obviously in there is kind of like the value of sports um like why do we play sports why do we play games in general um why does football still exist uh in this world where and so for them like kind of all their material needs have been taken care of uh and the way sports is kind of like meaning for them this like gameplay uh since there's no sort of like actual conflict in their lives anymore everyone just kind of like keeps you know doing their own little thing but and having their own routine but like in these games of football it's they find meaning i guess that's not a super interesting answer to the question but yeah no i think that's right yeah there's a lot of i think overall the piece deals with a lot of you know if you live forever if you can't really like be hurt and you don't really have to do anything because technology is in a place like all your needs are provided for like where is your where do you find meaning and like purpose and even just like amusement um and I think in it, like, you know, in a, I think there's like all types of answers to that, right? About like based on value systems and beliefs, right? But, um, anyhow, it's good to see them wrestle with it in this. And I, I've long thought that like sports has this value in kind of like artificially creating meaning, you know, um, and amusement and diversion and like a way to kind of bring people together. So I, it was interesting to see like this person's take on, on that. And then this like, basically because they don't do anything, like they just watch these like weird football games that take place over like long periods of time and across States. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty, I don't know. I, yeah, I was thinking about something about like meaning, there and so like a lot of good science fiction like what it does is it's this future world and like what is the point of it in the future world but it kind of like reflects back on our society like it's obviously all about like our society right now like uh in this thought experiment um and in, in a way obviously we're like not immortal now but we in human history like a lot of human history you would just like go and like try to like dig up some potatoes or something so that you didn't starve and like you would have like a hundred kids because like you didn't and half of them would die in childbirth and like your wife would die in childbirth 
uh, and so all your material needs, you would have to like uh, work on that. Versus now we live in such a world where like our material needs are taken care of. Uh, sometimes you know, sometimes just people bring you lasagna, uh, and so in the absence of like having to take care of yourself in any sort of meaning like that, what uh, <laughs> what do we look to? And in our case, I guess it's like some people enjoy the NFL. I don't as much as I used to, but uh, in the NFL, you could also sub out the NFL for like we talk about basketball a lot. Yeah. Um... It's worth just noting, <laughs> Court just narrated that, but uh, our good, generous, uh, wonderful friend, Stefan, uh, as Court was giving that explanation, walked in with a, a Pyrex full of lasagna. Um, so it feels pretty meta right now. Speaking of material needs being met. Yeah, and it sounds like he's getting us plates and forks right now. Yeah, we might have um, some on-air lasagna. So we, <laughs> we can be recording a podcast about a silly piece and basketball uh, and then potentially have food brought to us even though we didn't ask for it by a really lovely human being uh so that really me <laughs> oh wow yes uh now stefan is uh yeah stefan said he, he made um lasagna based on things that we had given uh which still doesn't account for uh his excessive generosity which i'm excited about eating this lasagna yeah, I'm actually a little bit hungry too. But uh <laughs> So okay, so the other the other point of this is like there's sort of like endless life being sort of like this endless collect like making meaning out of something that's sort of like endless trivia. So like one of the games, this is one of I all the game thought experiment games. Like there's a bunch of different chapters and often the chapters will like explain a different game of football as football is played now and one of the early games that's played is trying to find all the signed koi detmer footballs <laughs> yes <laughs> which like struck a little bit of a chord for me because like koi detmer i know that you know who koi detmer is but it's like honestly no one should know who he is right like he was a backup I yeah mean, he started some games right or yeah he was a long time backup i mean yeah they should know about him in the sense they know about like chase daniel or something right like yeah he, yeah um i yeah anyhow go ahead well just like all of our lives are sort of like this like combination of sort of inconsequential details to the outsider but like maybe like making meaning out of this sort of like you know my friend likes koi likes the eagles or like you know yeah outside my house there's like you know this certain oak tree that's you know this way yeah there were a number of things in that that, um, like re- I really relate it to that made it. It just was. I don't know. It's one of those strange feelings where it feels so familiar, um, and it feels like somebody knows something about you when they're right. Re- you know, like the Teddy Ruxpin. Yeah. Um, at one point, this one satellite is making fun of another satellite. One of the <laughs> one of these satellites is like kind of a jerk. Uh, his name's Juice, uh, and he. <laughs> He's making fun of the other satellite and saying it looks like the inside of a Teddy Ruxpin. Uh, and I had a, I had a Teddy. Did you have a Teddy Ruxpin? I didn't. Okay. Um, they're, if, if y'all don't know, they're like these bears that like talked to you. And I do remember the inside of it. Um, and, and they had this like exchange about this, the Teddy Ruxpin. It's a strange thing to have this bear that talks to you. And it has a certain like spot in my brain and, you know, memories from childhood. 
And uh, anyhow, there's like that. Then there's Coy Detmer. I get he was the Eagles backup quarterback who doesn't mean a lot. He kind of he also had this like crazy neck beard. Oh um, yeah. So he that had a, like I, I just remember being like, how does hair grow like that? And it just looks. I was like, why didn't he shave it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Ray um, keeps looking over at Stefan's beard, which is actually not the longest beard. Yeah. Speaking of, I have I have the biggest neck beard right now. Yeah. But, yeah. Um. Um, Teddy. Who's also, the guy? there was like the whole, there was like these weird images on about like vans. <laughs> um, it went from like throughout this piece, he had these like strange like collages, and so he had uh, uh, images of the Voyager a Voyager spaceship, and then there's all these Voyager Plymouth vans. My dad had a we always from the time I was born to like 2010. My dad had this van uh, that was like this old school big kind of van um and then it like transformed into the minivan um and that kind of i don't know that had like that reminded me of childhood my dad was really anti-minivans it made me think of that it's kind of a random thing but yeah and it was because the satellites are like the voyager satellites it's like voyager 9 and voyager Mm -hmm. 10 and that's why they're called the the characters names are 9 and 10 um and so, like, kind of the evolution of the Voyager from, like, satellite into, like, this van that turned into kind of, like, a minivan. And then kind of, like, this weird nostalgia you get when you see, like, it's, like, every ad from every year for the Voyager. And, like, the prices change a little bit. And the the marketing, like, definitely changes, like, uh, style as the years go on because it's, like, 70s. And the last one is, like, 2000. And it's, like, then they have a press release where it's, like, you know, due to flagging sales, like, they discontinue yeah. the Voyager brand. Yeah. a van and it's like you feel this weird nostalgia where you're yeah. like man like i feel sad that the voyager isn't a thing anymore yes. and then you're kind of also like why like why do i <laughs> yes yeah but yeah just having that yeah having just those little weird meaningless things to relate to makes you feel like connection to the piece that that uh yeah it's powerful anyway it's hard i mean i think we could maybe reference it in some other podcasts I don't have like a whole lot of more like meaningful things to say in response to it off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you do right here. I think, well, I think closing up on that, the value of sports thing. Um, I think there is, I don't know. There is something. Well, so I wrote about, I went to 13 consecutive Zephyrs games uh, and blogged about it. And the Zephyrs being the uh, minor league, former minor league baseball team in new orleans yes Uh, Um, now they're called the baby cakes but yeah same team yeah and different players yeah i suggested that the purpose of this was like try to understand something about why people are fans of sports teams um and it's mostly just an excuse for me to do something silly and you know put posts on our blog um and i wrote about like which kind of Lacroix i drank and weird promotions that the game had and uh all of that stuff um but it is kind of weird you're going to this game in that's like 20 minutes actually from new orleans uh in a place there's not a lot of people that go there's a bunch of players that like most of whom won't go to the major leagues um nobody actually really cares if the zephyrs wins maybe besides like little kids that go you know but like nobody cares about minor league baseball um 
these kind of players, they they have this like really strange existence. Josh Myers came on our podcast and talked about how the minor leagues are strange. Um, anyhow, it just seems like super meaningless. So in this like very meaningless context, like why do people do this? Like why do we have this stadium? Why do we go to these games? Um, and all I had to say, like maybe this piece gets to something that I think I've long believed is that there's some kind of just like to have things just have like things that like people can center themselves around and like agree like oh we want this team to win or like oh here's a reason to uh just like here this helps me have a conversation with another person you know i don't know there's like kind of meaning sports like gives meaning to things when you know it's hard to like find meaning in, in certain things or you're whatever you're down or you're not feeling good or I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense, but I think this, this, in this, in this um, piece, these, both the robot, uh, the, the the satellites and the humans, like they don't really have any like real things to do. They don't have to provide for themselves, um, and so, like these weird football games, uh, just allow them to fill their days, um, and so. I don't know. Thinking through that, it kind of, I feel like it, it's kind of similarly speaks to the value of sports and like, we don't have anything else to do. So we're going to play these games. So we have an objective and a bunch of the characters in these stories were like, what I actually really like about this or the reason I do this is so that I have an objective. Um, Yeah. Across several of the different sort of like made up games, a lot of the characters are like, this is what like sort of keeps me going. Uh, Is this like sort of, um, artificial objective that I've created that I am like assigning meaning to. And even in my like conscious mind, I know it's kind of like not real, but like I can sort of give it, it like I can, it's kind of existential in that way where you're like, I'm creating meaning out of this, even like acknowledging that it's sort of like meaningless still, but yeah. Um, yeah. Any of the characters in particular that did that, that yeah, the lady who kept losing, uh, Lucretia. Yeah, Lucretia. Which the, it's so hard to explain the context of that game, but they, they spend several chapters actually, talking about. Yeah, that game is actually worth talking about. Well, this is another thing that connects. So there's this game, the most like fundamental game of football that you can just always play if you have a football and any kind of space is you just, somebody has the ball and they yell a point total and they throw it up and then everybody tries to catch the ball. Um, and I if feel you like, catch the ball, you get that amount of points. Yeah, and it's called five hundred because once you that one of the catchers gets to a total of five hundred points, they go and become the thrower, and they get to call out the points. Yeah. So in this, <laughs> so in this in this world, they have a version of this game where there's a giant cannon in Denali, um, and it launches an a hundred twenty pound steel football um, anywhere in the continental United States. Um, <laughs> And the operator declares a point value, and then whoever gets to the ball first, they don't have to catch it; they just have to get to it. Um, gets that many points, and then if you get five hundred points, you be, you become the operator. Um, and so this was one of the most like popular manifestations of football in this, you know, weird reality. Uh, and so then Lucretia, as Court was saying, <laughs> had been playing for like you know, I don't know, thousands of years. Uh, yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, and <laughs> she just had never, ever gotten the ball. And it was over a long enough time, and they, like, presented the math 
that it was like incredibly unlikely that she would just always miss the ball you know yeah, like statistically like gigantic outlier like it's yeah 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 like something like i don't know if you played a game where you have a 100 shot to get something and you play that game a million times then you should get it a lot you know, it was like something uh to that effect um so yeah so what did you what uh what what did you enjoy or appreciate about her story well it's just kind of that um once it so like she is just like tooling around the bay area which isn't really the bay area anymore because california halfway fell into the ocean in this future um <laughs> along with all of florida uh, yeah all of florida and all, a lot of louisiana uh, if you looked at that map new orleans is pretty solidly the mississippi river has become like the mississippi bay uh anyway she's just like it's generally a good idea to be more like centrally located it seems like in the country because this like cannon shooting the thing like you just have a higher probability of being near it so like she ended up being somewhere where no other players were and the ball like gets like really close to where she is and she has like a manager because of course she does i don't know like people that like play in these games like i guess other people are like their managers and so like her manager calls her and tells her that the ball like landed near here and that she has like a you know 99 percent probability of like being the first one there because nobody else is around and like this both the like there's like like once you've been trying for something for so long to like actually get it is in a weird way not empty but like it's it's both like joyous and then also like kind of a sad thing Mm -hmm. and to realize that and she kind of realizes this as she like realizes that it's like finally gonna be over like it's just a more complicated everyone always like thinks like you know once you get once you get this thing like that's it or like what and and there's this especially in like the way we've been raised and the the culture we're in where it's like this such an achievement like oriented thing like once i get this thing then my life is going to be good and to have the idea that like oh like i finally this thing happened for me but there's kind of a an emptiness in it too like the more important thing is like playing the game yeah the journey not the destination (laughs) yes yes yeah and i think it's it's there's i guess clearly these all of the characters in this have had a long time to like (laughs) evaluate you know like have be really like conscious of all of these things and so they're kind of but you can tell like as she's going to get this ball that she's like super sad or or she's she's conflicted about it because she realizes that she's about to like lose all of this meaning um and i don't know yeah it I guess it makes, you know, having like pursued like various things and been like really excited about them and then like disappointed when they've happened, you know, not because they were necessarily less than I wanted them to be, but like because I was no longer chasing them. Anyhow, it's interesting. It's an interesting thing to think about and finding more meaning after like achieving something or, or getting what you want. Yeah. Do you think there's also bringing it back around full circle here? What do you think there's like a little bit of this with the Sixers? Like what if the Sixers actually won? Then what would the point be? I do think that I do think that there is a um a bond and like a kinship in the current Sixers fan base where the fact that the Sixers have been so bad 
makes like caring about them with other people kind of have more meaning, you know, and feel like more unique. Like we actually like this thing and we support this thing. Even though for like all these regular reasons, there's no reason to, you know, or like rationally, this is silly. Uh, they'd be like, but no, we find meaning in it. Um, that feels like unique. And if they do get good, um, which I think they're definitely going to get better. It's no matter how good they get. Um, and then like everybody likes the Sixers. And if I see people like walking around new Orleans with like Markel Fultz jerseys on, um, and it's like, man, that's not just like that weird thing that we had anymore. It's now this like ubiquitous thing. Um, and yeah, so there is like a fear, like losing, I mean, what's just, I guess some the thing changing, and then, um, it be, you know, I don't know it not. Yeah. Just, I guess it's just it changing less than like, I don't think if they won that I'd be like, Oh, I don't want the Sixers to win anymore. I'd still want them to win. Um, it'd still be something like worth pursuing, but probably just a fear and like the changing of the thing that I now appreciate for what it is right now. So. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a nice take on it. Anyway. I think we probably have exhausted the one listener that might still be listening at this point in the podcast. <laughs> About uh, what time are we at court? We're probably, we've been going for a solid 90 minutes or so. Uh, oh yeah, that's true. Um, so it might be a nice time to wrap it up. We could always have like a little segment on this, you know, later. Yeah. Because it's not over yet. This uh, Speaking of yeah. things not coming to an end. Actually, the finale might have been released like while we were recording this. Um, it's been serialized over several chapters um so yeah you sh- if you listened to all this and you didn't check it out beforehand shame on you uh you should have definitely read it uh and i for one have enjoyed the journey of the- recording this podcast with you today ray indeed and uh i don't feel a sense of uh foreboding approaching the end of it <laughs> uh and i would also like to state for the uh record that the lasagna that we ate during this was delicious uh yes. we hope for all our misophonia afflicted users that the, the edi- eating was not super audible yes um, edible audible uh, yes uh, we should tell aaron not to listen to this one if she's listening yeah she probably wasn't <laughs> um but yeah thanks thanks everybody for listening we yeah. hope to uh it looks like we've been doing about one per per month now in the summertime so we might be back at you. We'll try to be back at you in a couple weeks here. It's yeah. There's much less to talk about, but we also don't end up talking about basketball that much, so we could probably crank one out. Yeah. I think we might have a little short update for you in a couple weeks here. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, yeah. Hope you have a pleasant evening, a lovely day. This has been Half Court and Midrange. Thanks for the lasagna, Stefan. Stefan.